Welcome to the Wheatfish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest this week is going to be Dan Johnson. We are talking about the first time you go to a body of water, new bodies of water, what, what do you look for? How do you approach it? Good segment. Dan and I are going to tell you about that. Then Joe O'Pogger comes on, Director of Communications for Major League Fishing. And Joe's going to give us an update for 2024. It's going to start here in a couple of weeks, believe it or not. And then Joe Booker, you know him as a musky guy, but he is down in Florida right now. He is fishing saltwater. He has a passion for saltwater. We're going to hear about his journey down there in a little bit. But first, I'd like to remind people that this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am doing good. Uh, boy, this year has flown by and... Uh, it's it's hard to b- believe, uh, you know, we're the week before Christmas, but we are. And uh, today's topic, uh, approaching how to fish a new body of water the first time you go there. We, we've done this before, and, you know, it, it's a good topic because people pick new places to go every year, don't they? Yeah, and it goes right into so many other topics we talk about. Uh, and what I mean by that is preparation. On the front side, giving you a chance to become luckier than you would have been without preparing. So what do we need? What do we mean by going to a new lake? And I could speak on behalf of some of the things that I do, none of none of which I came up with on my own. I, I credit people I've fished with for years for all of these. And a lot of these things happen before my boat even goes into the water. Um, I'm looking at what the weather's been doing. Is it a cold front? Is the barometer low or high? Have we any have we had any big rains? Um, what are the bait fish? Is it perch, bluegill, shad? Does it have crayfish? Is it uh, anything like that to help you? Uh, what's the overall water clarity? Is it a super clear lake? Uh, is it dirty? Um, does it have a hard bottom? Is there rock all over it or is it all weeds? Uh, so many of those things before you even put the boat in the water can help you. And Dave, we did a topic a while ago, you know, uh, this is a lot, many, many, many episodes ago about, you know, what do we pre-rig our rods with before we go to a lake? And I don't, I don't do that. I I, I literally wait until, now granted, I I might have some spun up, no doubt, from the last trip, but I'm not overly dialed into what I'm doing until I see, literally see the water. Are the bait fish swimming around close? What are they? You know, what does the water look like? And a lot of that work on the front side can help you so much because some of it's a cut, copy, paste from the things you've done in the past as long as you understand that. Absolutely. And I'm going through that checklist in my mind as you're naming all those things off, like before I go approach the tournament. The only other thing I add on to there is what season is it? Is it pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn, you know, uh, late summer, fall? And and yes, you can you can guess what it's going to be like but you're exactly right until you get there and take a look at the water and you know what the predicted weather is you know what uh, take out all the things you can take out that's going to make it easier for you to be successful is what i think you're saying that's exactly right and man the more times than not 
we go through all of that and we get out there and the first five cards we play are the wrong cards. And I get that. And that's when we have to call audibles and mix it up. And, you know, but, but for example, if I'm going to a lake and I do my research and it's full of shad and I know it's in the fall and I know it's been blowing out of the South the last three days, I'm going to go look for channel swings and points and secondary points going back into creeks that the wind's been pounding into. And I'm going to throw some type of moving bait that looks like a shad. And if I don't get bit, then of course, then we have to audible and move around, but it's better than just showing up, dropping the boat in and just start flipping stuff. Not that that doesn't work because it absolutely can. We talked about jigs recently and it's hard to beat that, but I, I I don't normally start with that. I I normally start with what makes the most sense based on all of these criterion and then let the fish tell me what to do, you know? And I I think it's been, it's worked pretty well in the past. And some days you put the bone in and just start cranking on them right away because you've done that. And other times you don't, and then you have to mix it up. Yeah, and and I like what you said about you might try two or three or four different baits and you don't, you're not successful. In my mind, and I think your mind too, that's that's not a bad thing because everything you can eliminate gets you closer to being successful also. Well, and there's some lakes, and Dave, we've definitely done a podcast on this before. Lakes have strange nuances. And and what I mean by that is there's some lakes where you want to match the hatch without a doubt. And there's other lakes that people are throwing things that don't look like anything swimming in there and they bite it better for whatever reason. And that's why you really have to have your thinking cap on and let the fish tell you what to do. And, you know, are you trying to get a reaction strike that looks like nothing in the lake or are you trying to match it perfectly? You know, is it is it a time of year where the shadow are really small and they're keyed in on only that? Sometimes you can get whooped if you don't understand that. Believe me, I have many, many times where you're thinking they're blowing up all around me and I can't get a bite. And then all of a sudden you catch one and they spit up these little dinky little things. You're like, oh, okay. So there's a lot to that. It's a big, big topic. But I think the the, the, the moral of the story is, as with anything else we do, whether it's prepping our boat, making sure we have good line, checking our hooks in the winter, going into the spring season, preparation is key. And it's in, in my humble opinion, it's the exact same thing when we're approaching a new lake. The more work we can do on the front side, talking to locals, understanding patterns, maybe check past tournament results, what were these fish caught on last year at this time, what was the water level then, all these things, you can make your own luck more times than not if we do a lot of that work on the front side, especially if we haven't fished a lake before. Yes, absolutely. That's a great list you had there also. I'm going to add two things to it. One is uh, local uh, the fishing reports that you can get online from guides that are giving results from their past uh, guide trips the week before. Or, you know, there's so much on social media now that you can go and search and look for. And, and these... The guides are out there, they're making a living at it, and they're not going to tell you exactly where, but they're going to give you an indication of what stage those fish are on by with the lures that they're throwing, that kind of thing. I think we can use that to our advantage. And and Google Maps also, looking at that and uh, getting an idea before you go the first time too. More than ever before, 25, 30 years ago, when social media wasn't king, you could kind of trust reports and kind of not because of what I mean by that. Uh, con- uh, contrasted with now is social media really gives people street cred. If you if you research things that people are reporting on, and if they're saying things that are total snake oil to throw you off so they can go catch them, 
their credibility goes downhill pretty quick. So I think now the the information that you get through social media um, about a lake and a bite is more accurate than it's ever been because people get judged by it. They get their sponsors watch it. You know, the anglers watch it. They get credibility that way. So, yes, you're right. They're not going to give you P.O. boxes or maybe some spot on a spot or certain dialed in techniques on that spot. But generally speaking, the information is is more accurate now than I've ever seen it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and it has to be because, like you said, they have sponsors or they have credibility. And there's so many people and we're all so connected nowadays that people will call you out on that in a heartbeat. And, uh, and you don't want that. You don't want that. But I, I think we both would uh, encourage people to try new uh, bodies of water and uh, maybe take some of these tips and take a look at them and uh, Pick one out that might be a little tougher for you than you want and try to figure it out. That's part of the fun of the game, isn't it? Nothing more fun for me in fishing. It's not even close than going somewhere I've never been. It's an absolute blast because you're completely out of your element. And you've got to apply your past knowledge and everything that you've learned. And a lot of times you get whooped quite a bit doing it. And your But I tell you what's really cool about it is the first time you ever fish a body of water, you're more likely to fish spots than you would never fish as if you fish that lake all of the time because people get habitual. They go back to doing their same thing. They go to the same spots. And then somebody that's never been on the lake before goes somewhere crazy and smokes them. So that's what's fun about it is it, it's just a, it's a whole new, um, a whole new uh, mindset of, of the day when you've never been there before. Uh, it's really, really fun. Absolutely. Always good information from Dan Johnston. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible, and being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day, with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, Magforce Z. Similar in design to our SV system, reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has a passion for the outdoors. He has been on many times before. He is Director of Communications for Major League Fishing. Welcome back, Joel Pogger. 
Hey, Dave. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me back. Oh, no problem. What I wanted to get from you is an outlook for 2024. We are right on top of it, a couple weeks away. How did that happen? There wasn't a long down season, was there? Goodness, yeah. I, I feel like just last week we were wrapping up the Toyota Series Championship, uh, you know, early November. And now I've blinked, and uh, we're two weeks out from the start of the 2024 season. And uh, it happened fast, but we are pumped, ready to go. The pieces are in place. And that's good. I, I, and here's here's the thing I like about Major League Fishing is there is opportunities for everybody to fish something, even if it's one tournament or a full series of something that they want to do and the opportunity to qualify and go forward. Definitely. I mean, that was a big priority of us this offseason was getting everything buttoned up, ready to go and ready to announce to get 24, 20. 2024 started off with a bang. Uh, you know, five circuits, uh, you know, means we're running, you know, dang near 250 tournaments across the country all year long. So we're kicking off right away January 6th with the first events of the year. We've got a high school and college fishing event, you know, down in, in Florida at the Harris Channel Lakes. We've got a BFL starting, uh, a bass fishing league tournament starting uh, on Sam Rayburn Reservoir over in Texas. So we're hitting the ground running right out the gate. Yeah, and, and uh, it seems like uh, the attendance for these looks looks pretty good uh, for the uh, 2024 season. Definitely. I mean, we've, we've announced the rosters for our top circuits. Uh, the Bass Pro Tour we announced uh, last month in mid-November. And just earlier this week, we announced the uh, Tacoweros Invitationals roster. So, you know, 80 anglers competing on the Bass Pro Tour this season, 150 anglers competing on the Invitationals this season. And uh, that's a lot of anglers that are chomping at the bit to get out on the water and compete for some great cash and prizes. It is, and then you uh, you can go down from there to Toyota and BFLs, and that's why I said there's there's opportunities for everybody and and uh, college, and you know it's just a, a growth uh, platform to to get somebody into it, and and it doesn't have to be real expensive if you're fishing like a BFL in your backyard, your own home body of water, and you don't have to do them all. You can pick one if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. The BFL is a fantastic kind of training ground for anglers that want to dip their toe in the water, uh, for, for lack of a better euphemism. Uh, you don't even have to own a boat. I mean, you right. know, if you do own a boat, you can compete on the boater side against other boaters. But, uh, you know, guys fish off the back of the boat as a co-angler uh, with no boat. All you need is a couple fishing rods, and you're going to go out and get paired with a boater and compete against other co-anglers on that body of water that day. So, uh, you know, just lots of opportunities. But that's one of the great things about MLF is kind of that clear pathway to the Bass Pro Tour, which is the sport's top level. That's where all the big-name pros compete, and that's where everybody's trying to get to. You know, uh, From starting at the BFL, you qualify up into the Toyota Series, uh, and then to the Invitationals, and on to the Bass Pro Tour. So there's a clear roadmap to get to that top level of professional bass fishing. Absolutely, and, and it's fun, and if you, if you jump in the back of the boat, you never know who you're going to get, because even some of those top-level guys will drop down into some of these other tournaments. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, guys compete in the BFL level, you know, constantly. We saw, you know, some numerous Bass Pro Touringers competing in BFL events uh, last year, uh, including some even, you know, were right up there in the uh, Division Angler of the Year races, meaning they competed in every single event 
in that division. So you, you know, when you fish in these tournaments, you're getting paired with the best anglers in the world, not just on in that region. So, uh, but you are also getting paired with the best in the region. So it's really, you know, better than a guide trip, in my opinion, for a lot of these fisheries. And you really get to see how the top anglers break down these fisheries, you know, in a one-day tournament. Really cool to see. It is. It is. So uh, we were talking off air a little bit before we went on. Uh, uh, who's who's the sponsors for MLF this year and, and uh, you know, returning ones and possibly new ones? Who, who's uh, helping uh, do this? Oh, absolutely. We had some big announcements this offseason that we were really excited about. You know, Suzuki Marine, uh, we had a little partnership with them in 23, but they've expanded and blown it out for 2024. They've come on board fully. They're the, uh, one of the official outboard engines of Major League Fishing, along with Mercury Marine, uh, two fantastic outboards. But, you know, we've been uh, announcing sponsorships just throughout this offseason. You know, Lowrance extended, Tackle Warehouse uh, renewed and expanded through 2026. And there's just a lot of our big name endemic sponsorships uh, that are even still coming on the pipeline this offseason. We were talks are in the works we're getting really close to announcing uh but we're, we're not quite there yet but before the season starts up again we're going to announce a couple more so you know just we couldn't do what we do and run the sport uh without these sponsors and their help so we're so appreciative of them and i appreciate you asking about them because they're very very important to major league fishing yeah, and I and I think that's the the, the world of fishing is that um, where are people going to be able to uh, see the events that are going on this year and 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 uh, how? I mean, a lot of the times uh, things are taped or or delayed, but uh, what's going on with that? Well, that's one of the big kind of. Uh focuses of major league fishing this off season has been to is expanding our digital footprint you know uh you know our tv shows have always aired on television discovery channel uh the outdoor sports network world fishing network cbs cbs sports you know you, you can find our tv shows on television but so much of that audience is going away from traditional tv options and moving to streaming outlets and things like that so we've really been working on expanding our partnership with uh outdoor sports group and and they're uh streaming at my outdoor tv so all of our events you know will be streamed on there live every single weekend we'll have something going on uh whether it's a bass pro tour or tackle warehouse invitationals and and new for this season uh we're going to be streaming our general tire team series uh we're really really excited about that you know we film our team series in the off season so we filmed it over this past fall uh you know our champions are already crowned but those tv shows are going to premiere January 6th. So they're starting up right after the new year and will air. But next fall, we're going to be live streaming the General Tire Team Series. So that's one of the things we're super excited about for 24. Uh, guys are going to be able to see how these teams break down the waters in real time as a team. And uh, it's just going to be something the fans are going to love. The anglers love competing in them. And uh, it's a huge, huge win for Major League Fishing. It is, it's a, and it's a huge win for the anglers watching because it's a learning opportunity. If you guys are not watching the pros on the front of these boats, they're teaching you. They're giving you an on-the-water seminar on your TV or on your devices. You got to do it. Uh, truly appreciate your time as always, Joe, and look forward to talking to you maybe uh, mid-season. Hey, that sounds great, Dave. And, you know, I know you're competing in the Toyota Series again, so who knows, maybe I'll be interviewing you 
for a press release coming up soon. So good luck to you this season as, as we get into it. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I would like to make that happen. That was Joel Pogger, <laughs> Director of Communications for Major League Fishing. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and it is brought to you by... Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, we will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories, Calcutta Outdoors. Daiwa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. St. Croix. Crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix. The best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest has been on before, and I'm sure he'll be on in the future. Welcome back, Joe Booker. Dave, how are you doing? I am doing great, and uh, you know, not as good as you. I look at your Facebook posts, and I see... Uh, for those that don't know you, you're summering up in Wisconsin, you go down to the winter, you're down in Florida, and I see you catching all these big fish, and it, those big reds look so exciting to catch. Dave, I, I can't exaggerate. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's addicting. It's so much fun to hook up with these big bull reds. I, I can tell every one of your listeners that has never done this, especially, you know, freshwater anglers looking to do something different in the winter besides, you know, ice fishing can be great and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you want to, you want to, you want to absolutely try something that'll just shake, you just, you'll be shaking in your boots. Just, you go out there and start catching some of these big saltwater fish in the winter um, and the early spring and the late fall. I fish, you know, I, I start, you know, right after Thanksgiving, then I stay down here till the end of, uh, right just after Easter. And I tell you, man, it's, these saltwater, brackish water fish, especially these bull reds, when you lock up with these babies, you better pack a lunch. That's all I need. <laughs> it looks like it looks like it's a lot of fun, and and it's not only reds. Uh, you catch other fish there, and maybe uh, talk a little bit about the area and the type of fishing that you you do there, where you're at in Florida. Well, I, I uh, my wife and I, Beth and I, uh, discovered this this Destin, <clears throat> Fort Walton Beach, Destin, Panama City Beach. Uh, area of, of, of in the panhandle of northwest florida about 25 years ago and uh we've been coming here off and on on vacations you know through that through that uh that time and then about four or five years ago when i retired we started spending the winters down here and this area is kind of nice because it's not too far down it's you know it, it's 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 reachable 
um, you know, once you hit once you hit Florida, you're essentially there. Yeah. And it's really close to Atlanta and Nashville and and you know these these, these nearby cities. So that's where a lot of that traffic comes from. The you know weekend traffic that we that we get down here. But what's so neat about what I loved about this area is um, it, it's it's just got so much to offer. Um, it, it's it's. You know, it's got the, it's still, it's the weather's, the weather's nice in the winter. Um, it can get chilly. It's not like, you know, you're not like you're way down on the south end of, of Florida where, you know, it's tropical. Right. Um, but it offers a, a tremendous uh, variety. Where I'm at, uh, in that, in Destin area, there's, you're right on that, just above that area, they call the Big Bend. And uh, it's, it, you, you have, you can, you can fish freshwater crappies, you know, bluegills, largemouths, you name it, to brackish water fish in all of these tributaries and, and bays and, and bi- what they call bayous down here to the Gulf of Mexico itself, which is the true saltwater environment. You can fish them all. You can essentially boat to them all in the area that I fish. Um, and that's essentially how I actually fish, too. Is in, in Right now, this time of the year, I, I'm concentrating a lot on tributaries and backwaters um, and this this winter pattern that I've really kind of dialed into down here on, on these big bowl reds and you can see by the some of the posting that I've done that speckled trout uh, speckled trout are a great fish to catch phenomenal fish to eat mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're such a great sport fish because they, they, they readily strike a lot of different things and um, they're a lot of fun to catch they're not as nearly as hard to catch as for example big bowl reds yeah and um, there's a, then the table fare man. Not that not that redfish, you know, smaller and medium sized redfish aren't tasty, but these speckled trout are some tasty, tasty fish. Yeah, and, and and you don't have to use real heavy equipment for them either, do you? No, in fact, uh, you know, I I towed down my my boat, so you know, I towed down my boat. And I essentially use the same stuff that I fish, you know, pike, bass, muskies, walleyes up by us. Um, when I, when I dial in on those big bull reds, I, I go with, is, I, I, I beef up everything because only because I've learned from mistakes and learned from experience that, see, the thing is with the thing you got to always understand when you're fishing out here, you know, in, in the Gulf of Mexico and, and, you know, all the tributaries is that big is, big is way bigger than we, than we ever think in fresh water. Yeah. So big, you know, big head, I, I always tell people big has no limits here <laughs> because you, you, you could hook into a 15, 20 foot shark. I mean, you really right. could. Right. Uh, you know, and you'd be bringing in something big, Dave, all of a sudden it's, it's bit off. <laughs> That's been a big problem lately, hasn't it? Are, are you seeing a lot of that? They're talking about it a lot. Um, it, it doesn't occur as much for me. But I do have it happen, uh, and I do catch a uh, you know a, sh- a fair number of sharks and stuff. Uh, you know when I'm out fishing, but uh, that's the thing you got to realize though is that you know I, I even these guys these musky guys that you know follow me on, on and I'm sure you read some of the comments, but they go oh well that doesn't you know <clears throat> still eat muskies or something. Well, I was thinking. You know, or somebody said something the other day about, you know, I was, I was posing with a smaller redfish. He said, boy, that would be a good musky bait. And uh, I made the comment, do you folks realize that down here you could quick set rig a musky and it would get eaten? Yeah. Your fish are way bigger here. The apex predator down here is much bigger than a musky. You know, sharks, 
you got sharks. <laughs> you know? They're not the dominant, yeah. They're not the no, dominant species down there. No, no, no. no, no barracuda, a 50 inch barracuda is not the dominant predator down here. It's just, it's not, it's, it's, it's a predator, it's, you know, but it's not the apex predator. It's not. So, yeah, it's just, just one of those things. So, one of the, you know, one of the things you got to always keep in mind when you're out here is even when you're fighting one of these big bull reds, Dave is that something doesn't tear it off the line. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> and what kind of baits are you using for these? Artificials? You can catch these fish on, you know, on everything from sitting on on, on a riverbank, uh, below a bridge with live bait, or, or even dead bait, by the way. They, they you know, these big bull reds will pick up, uh, you know, like a dead shrimp, uh, uh, big, you know, chunk of crab or, yeah. or, or, or cut bait, to... Um, you know, jigs and plastics to jerk baits to, you know, spoons and top water. Catch them on a lot of things. You know, me with my background, um, you know, being that I'm so well versed over all these years with, you know, everything from muskie to pikes to walleye to bass, trolling, casting, you know, that's just who I am. That I come down here with, I came down here, that what gave me a real advantage you could call it a disadvantage yet it was an advantage that I came down here with no with, with not all these preconceived ideas on how I had to fish them and so you know I tried a lot of what the locals do and it all works um, but I'm doing much things they don't do yeah, and, yeah. And one of the big things is I'm trolling crankbaits trolling big crankbaits deep you know what and, Joe uh, I've got to take yeah. a quick break for some sponsors, and I want to hear about this trolling uh, for mm -hmm. for these fish. We're, uh, uh, we'll be right back with more Joe Booker. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. More coming right after a word from our sponsors. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Daiwa, MAG4Z. Similar in design to our SV system, reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. The We Fish ASA podcast is back, always brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I am Dave Kranz, here with Joe Booker. Joe, just before we went to commercial break, you were talking about doing something that the locals down there in Fort Destin, Florida area aren't doing. You were talking about trolling big crankbaits. 
Yeah, and I think that there are some locals that do a troll for crankbaits in the summer out here, but, you know, it's a great winter technique, great winter, early spring technique for me, um, and casting them, by the way, too. Okay. What I do a lot of times, you know, when you look out at a body of water like, like the Gulf of Mexico or these big bays like Choctahatchee Bay and, 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 and uh, some of these intercoastal waterways, stuff, they're massive, they're massive, yeah. big, you know? So if you look out at them, it's like, okay, where are these fish? And if you, if, if, what, how do I find them? And, you know, I was taught back in the early days of Fishing Facts magazine, you know, troll, troll the fine fish. Right, yep. so I put you know I I troll spoons and spinners and crankbaits and stuff and, and and as soon as I do connect with something, then I'll come back and then I'll, I'll then I will cast and 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 spend more time fishing those spots uh, with with casting approaches. So you know that's one of the things that I will do. I, I it isn't just a trolling technique. Um, I follow a lot of that up with casting, especially once I find what we call these pods of bull reds. And and you'll you'll run into these. They're, they're they're wolf packs or pods of them. And and the amazing thing about it though, Dave, is 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 what. But it's hard for a lot of these freshwater guys to grasp is when you hook into one of these, you're dealing with plus or minus a thirty minute battle. Yeah. So you know you, you hook up with a forty inch muskie or forty inch pike or whatever, thirty inch walleye. You know the fight's over fairly quick. Um. And I'm talking not with light tackle, even with these heavier tackle. When you look at one of these bull reds, like I said, pack a lunch because it's. I, 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 I was you know, just, you know, the last fish I caught, I had to fight the fish in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Are these fish migratory or are they just following the bait or? They, 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 yes and yes. Um, both, yes to both. Um, okay. The, the, again, when you look out these waters and you see how big they are, yeah. when you're not catching them, it's like, Okay, where did they go? But you know, these fish can be swimming all over. And by the way, you will see that sometimes you'll see these these, these red fish in these big schools busting sur- on the surface. You'll see them over here on the left. You know, at like eleven o'clock, and you start moving towards them. And then you, you know you, you're trying to find them, and you're casting to them, and maybe you catch one, and then all of a sudden they're gone. And then you know, and all of a sudden you hear a noise, and you look up, and oh no, now they're you know they're completely in the opposite direction, a hundred yards or two hundred yards. Off the off the, the starboard, starboard up, you know, off the bowboard, and then they're back over here. They're over there, <laughs> so they're swimming all over the place, and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, top water an option for those when you see them? Yes, yes. A lot of times you can catch them on top water. Yes, and and, and um, you know the big thing you always got to be remembering with these fish too is even it isn't it, it isn't it, it even isn't always like what will they hit. It's like. How can you keep them hooked? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you lock up at one of these fish, it's frustrating, actually, Dave. It's frustrating because well, when I first started uh, connecting with these real big ones down here, I'd fight them for 15, 20 minutes or more and then lose them. And it's like, oh, you know how, I mean, this, it's disheartening. Um, and if, if you lose three or four of them in one day, you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, so you got to really analyze you're, you know what you're using, and 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 always be always be part of your strategies. Like if I hook up with this fish on this lure, can I keep that fish on? And that's why single hooks are so popular down here, because you know they they get one hook, one big hook, penetrating deeper is a lot of times better than you know multiple treble hooks because you these fish are just they're just pulling and yanking and you know it, it's going on for so long that they just tackle gets 
gets worn out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see that. I also see all these photos of these wonderful fish meals that you prepare. And uh, uh, is does that change for the Spaniard there from Thanksgiving till Easter? Is Does the species that you can target to eat change a lot, or is it pretty consistent throughout the winter? Well, throughout the winter, it's fairly consistent. Um, you know, it's it, and just like any fish, you know, weather down here, tides is a big thing. Um, and, and studying tides, and I've made I've made a I've really uh, dedicated myself to learning about tides, and we could do a whole a whole series on this and a whole podcast on this, and probably should in the future. But it's very very interesting. But um, you know, the catching catching, for example, these, finding them is a big thing. But I, I seem to be able to get into speckled trout and and, and catchable, eatable reds um, all the way to the east about Easter time. When you know, when I start to think about heading north back to back to Wisconsin. Um, so I and, and you know, I also catch um, some some snappers and some groupers and and uh, there's a few other fish that I tie into that I keep every once in a while too. But um, it's, yeah, I, I, Beth and I will eat fresh fish down here at least three days a week, and uh, they're fresh caught, you know, for the most part. And, yeah. And it's kind of nice. So it's, it's, that's another nice part about it. And I don't know what it is, but to me, these, these saltwater fish, you know, the, the ones that I like to eat down here, there's, and there's a variety of them, they're like my favorite eating fish. I like it even more than perch and walleyes, and I love yellow perch and walleyes an awful lot, but these speckled trout are, are absolutely number one, and I love snapper and grouper and, and you know, smaller redfish, too. Yeah, all of that stuff. You know, uh, every time I talk to you, Joe, over the years, we've whether it's musky or whether it's talking bass or whether it's talking the saltwater, I feel the passion in your voice about about that. And speaking of passion, you have another passion. And, and uh, for those listeners that don't know, that music that you're hearing going in between segments and uh, intros, outros, is Joe Booker playing the guitar. And uh, you that, tell us a little bit about that, Joe. Well, Dave, it's it's uh, it's 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 a lifelong journey. Um, you know, it's just something I guess I started when I was a, when I was a young kid. You know, kind of like uh, inspired by the Beatles and the, you know the the groups that uh, kind of started all this stuff. You know, that with us and and, and then it just grew into a into a you know from a from a teenage to a college passion to a way of make a way to make uh, make a few dollars and make a living for a while at it and, yeah and what ended up happening by the way is uh, is uh, even a production like what you're doing and what I'm doing here is, is that instead of paying or renting music or buying music uh, since I could since I know how to play I started producing my own music so that I had music for my you know for my own productions and stuff and it became a signature of my show and. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of fun, but you know, that's what you're hearing there is fifty plus years of, uh, of playing the guitar and, and and working with great music producers. And one last thing, by the way, also is I I have access to you know really great musicians too. Not only is and in a lot of my my friends, but um, you know my son lives in Nashville, so I I can connect with a lot of guys down there, and I have. And as long as, as, long as I take these guys fishing every once in a while, they'll you know they, they help me out on the music end. What a trade off. <laughs> A trade off for both of trade off for both of you. They help you with your your music passion and your fishing passion, and everybody's happy and everybody has a good time. Uh, I have always appreciate your time, Joe, and uh, look forward to the next time that we get to talk. And uh, uh, thank you very much, I, and thank you for uh, letting us have that music on the We Fish ASA podcast too. 
Well, we we have a lot of fun doing these things together, Gabe. And I think the big thing is is that you and I get to talk about something that's a big that we, we get to talk about something that everybody listening to it's just that's their passion. Yes, I yep. mean, you know, that brings us all together, doesn't it? It does. It does, and. I don't think that will ever end. It'll never end. It's a, it's a, a gift we are given, and we both appreciate it. And look forward to the next time I get to talk to you. Same here, Dave. No problem. That was Joe Booker. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I would like to thank my sponsors, Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods are on earth, and Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. I'd also like to thank my guests from this week. Thank you, Dan Johnson, for the another great interview. Approaching a new body of water the first time you go there. Always great tips from a Dan Johnston. Joe Pogger gave us an update on Major League Fishing's upcoming season, 2024. It's going to be here in a couple of weeks. They're going to start fishing. And you just heard from Joe Booker. He gave us some great information about fishing saltwater down in Florida. The man has a passion for it. And remember, the music that you're hearing is Joe Booker's. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.